and welcome again to the Hugenhoff Podcast. This is episode one, the first episode after the introductory episode. Uh, if you would like to visit our website, please feel free to do so at www.hugenhoff.org. That's www.h-u-g-i-n-h-o-f.org. If you'd like to give us feedback, feel free to do so at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or concerns, maybe you don't agree with what we said or you had extra comments to add to them, and we will try to add those to the next show. I want to remind everybody we are releasing on a monthly basis. So this is a monthly podcast. Um, I plan to release as close to the first of the month as possible, so I should have it released by the first of every month, maybe a couple days earlier, maybe a couple days later, but, well, I'll try to make sure I always get it out by the first, um, at the latest. So today I will be your host, Byron, and I have my wife, Lauren, on today. So Hello. how are you doing, Lauren? Oh, you know, burning up. Yes, it's um rather <laughs> hot in the area right now, so yeah, it's kind of, that's always fun. So there's a couple things I want to do. Uh, first of all, I'm going to start with a few quick questions to you, Lauren, um, about what some basic ideas of what true is for you. And then as long as we have time, which I think we will, I'm going to get into some questions that we ask people who are thinking about Ossetro. So you kind of have an idea of what we're asking other people and what you might want to think about your yourself if you're interested in Ossetro. So... Um, Real quickly, what's also true to you? <laughs> also true to me is, well, it's the most ancient religion of um, of my people in particular because that's what I'm descendant of, Northern European folks. So um, that being said, I believe that the gods influenced my most ancient ancestors and then thus that's been passed down through the line to me. Okay. And of course, the word also true is a modern revival thing, so that's not ancient at all, but the gods and the ideals of them are pretty old. Right. Um, before we get to the rest of the questions, was there anything else you wanted to mention about also true, something you think is important for people? Um, no, I guess I don't understand what you're asking. No. Okay. So. Well, I wasn't sure if you just had some general comments you wanted to make oh. or not. Uh, but but you don't. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on. And actually, at this point, I forgot to mention it in the introduction. As I said in the first episode, I'm the Gothi of the Hugenhoff Kindred, and Lauren is the Gethia of the Hugenhoff Kindred. Okay, so um, I guess I'll say my answer as well. What also true is for me, most everything can be found in the introductory episode if you want to listen to that. But uh, just like Lauren said, it's it's um, the most ancient ancestral religion. I mean, these are the gods that started our people on the path that they're on today. And I think there's a lot of things to learn from also true, a lot of stories that we can learn and grow from by trying to understand the myths. I also think that 
uh, these gods you can commune with. You can ask them for help, ask them for advice, uh, stuff like that. And uh, this next one is really hard to put into words and won't really make sense until you've been through it. But as you start working with the gods, especially in a kindred, but I think also on your own, you can very much do it on your own, uh, there's a certain connection. And when you deal with these gods, you will feel connected to them. You will feel a, a family-type bond to them because they are your elder kin. Um, and I think that's one of the, the big things that that also true does is it gives you a connection with your larger family the family of the gods and it's a very inspiring thing to actually go through to feel the presence of the gods and that's one of the main reasons that i think people become and stay also true because of this personal connection that they have with the gods you can talk to them and ask them questions and you can definitely feel their presence and even hear their answers so uh, let's move on. Lauren, first, what brought you to Ossetro? Um, Well, I met Byron, <laughs> who was already um, in a kindred and already um, practicing Ossetro. And um, I just wanted to know what that was all about. Like, it was a very um, um, mysterious thing. He went and did these bloats once a month um, so I guess that was the fr initial interest I just really wanted to know I was just curious what he did um, so I went ahead and um, spoke with the Godi of his kindred via email um, <clears throat> and sort of got the idea of it and um, after that things just sort of started to fall into place I mean um coming from, you know, Judeo-Christianity sort of a background, it's something that's very foreign to us, um, I feel like, naturally. It wasn't, I didn't understand Christianity, it didn't make sense to me, I wasn't part of the church because those, those ideals didn't fit with my ideals about life, so that fit initially and then actually going to those bloats at that kindred and um, feeling the gods for the first time it like Byron said it's something that doesn't really make sense when you just talk about it but it is a, an experience that you'll eventually have where um, where you know that the gods are speaking to you and they're speaking to you because you are theoretically their descendants so, well, maybe not exactly theoretically, sort of physically. So, um, so I guess that's how I came to Austria. <laughs> okay, very good. Um, and I guess what brought me to Austria is, uh, well, or originally, obviously originally I was Christian, like most people in America. And I did try to learn it. My dad was Christian, and obviously, I res well, I guess it's not obvious, but I did respect him a lot. So I, I tried to understand it, and I studied it and everything. And there, there were a lot of the morals that I didn't like, and a few of the, a few things didn't make sense. Uh, and most importantly, I don't think I ever had, like, a personal connection to anything. So I sort of moved away from Christianity and decided it didn't... It didn't feel real. It wasn't. There was, there was, nothing keeping me, keeping me there. And, and of course, I, I didn't agree with a lot of their morality, especially the ones about 
how you need to submit to something else. Uh, something I said, I think, in the first episode or the introductory episode was we do not bow to our gods. You know, they're supposed to be our equals. They want us to be strong. And that just that resonated with me, and it wasn't in Christianity. So after I moved away from that, I moved into studying Buddhism for a while. And there's a lot of things in there that made a lot of sense. But again, there is no personal connection to anything. I mean, Buddhism is, in a lot of ways, more a philosophy than a religion. So even though I liked some of their practices, I liked a lot of what they were saying, there was real there was really no connection to deity and i thought that there there was a deity i just thought that was the case um so later my brother actually gave me some books on wiccan because he was interested in that and i thought that looked kind of neat i mean there's there's some interesting stuff with gods and everything else kind of made sense uh i never became Wiccan, but I studied Wiccan for a few years, and it just seemed, it just didn't really seem real. I didn't feel personally connected to it, and it seemed arbitrary. You know, you'd use Greek gods and then Egyptian gods, and that didn't make a lot of sense to me, so after studying it for a long time, I sort of became disillusioned with the whole thing, the whole religion thing in general, and just became an atheist. I was like, well, there's no reason to believe that anything exists, so I'm just going to say nothing exists because if it if if some deity exists, then I'd be able to to talk with it and it would be able to talk back with me. So maybe this is just silly, and I became atheist for a while, and then my brother actually introduced me again to Osetro, and I decided especially being an atheist, you don't have a lot to lose. I was like, well, I can look into anything once, I suppose. So I read about Osetru a little bit. I, I think I started reading the Poetic Eddas, and the gods in those books really resonated. I really enjoyed reading the story, and I remembered back to the days when I read the Bible, and it was such a chore. You had to get through it, and it was... um. It wasn't a fun raid, as you were obligated to read it, but it wasn't a fun raid. <laughs> and um, the stories of the gods, the actual... I mean, some of the sagas, which is the stories of the heroes, the people, can be a little dull. But the stories of the gods themselves actually really interested me. And I really enjoyed those stories, and I really liked those stories. So I continued reading about it and everything. And, and I was really enjoying reading it. And then I had my own personal experience with Odin where it it wasn't even in a in a ritual setting or anything I I was just like what is the answer are these gods really here and I had an interesting experience where I felt the or I think that I felt the presence of Odin and then I was like well you know maybe I've never it, it was very intense because I never felt something like that before I'd never felt the presence of God or any of the Wiccan deities, you know, the different gods of other people's folk that they will sometimes honor or wor- or worship. I'd never really felt their presence, but, you know, then with this god, Odin, I did feel his presence. And it turns out at that time, my brother had just recently joined the Hofbrau kindred. And um, I will try to remember to put that in the show notes because they have a website as well 
Um, I'll just make a note here. They are uh, Hofbrau Kindred Indiana dot com. Uh, and anyway, uh, I was sort of curious what that was about because I had had such an interesting experience with Odin, and I I liked I enjoyed the lore so much. So I went there and and started attending bloats regularly, and it just really called to me. So I I went ahead and and I eventually joined that kindred, which I'm still in. So I'm the Gothi of the Hugenhof kindred, and and a member of the Hofbra kindred. So it it just really it it just really made a lot of sense to me, and the things that that hour ago they said made sense. And when we had rituals, I felt the presence of the gods, which is one of the big biggest things I think about Asatru is it's something real and verifiable in the sense that you will have a personal gnosis, you will have a personal understanding of the gods, you will feel their presence. And, I mean, if that doesn't happen, I could hardly even tell someone to be Ossetru. You know, if after six months of going to bloat, you've never felt the presence of the gods, I couldn't, I couldn't in good faith, tell someone to keep, keep doing that, because that's kind of what it's all about. It's really having a real connection with these gods. But after I joined the Hofbrauch Kindred, that, that absolutely happened, and that's what led me to Ossetru and had me uh, stay in Ossetru. And Lauren, if you ever want to make comments, you know, just jump right in there. <laughs> okay, so I guess we'll move on for a little bit. Um, we're going to discuss three things, Loki, Giant, and Foreign God. So let's go ahead and start with Loki and what I mean by that. As you read the lore, and I would start with the Poetic Eddas and the Elder Eddas, um, Poetic Eddas by Snorri Sturluson and the, the um, Samen's Eddas are good to read. So, there's there's two Eddas. Um, one thing that comes up in the lore a lot is Loki. Loki was originally a friend of the gods, and he actually helped a lot of good things happen for the gods, but at some point in time he betrayed the gods, and he was ultimately responsible for killing Balder, and he insulted the gods. And for whatever reason, and this would be a whole different podcast that we'd get into this, Loki betrayed the gods, and they ended up binding him to the center of the world for his betrayal. The reason I bring this up is because in most kindreds, and definitely in my kindred, we do not think that it is appropriate to honor Loki in any way. We admit that in the past he was a friend of the gods and even Odin's blood brother. In the past, he was he was absolutely uh, central for certain things to happen. And we are glad that the things that he was involved in did happen. The good things he was involved in did happen. He helped build the wall around Asgard, for example. And we're absolutely glad that that happened. Nonetheless, he made the decision to turn away from the gods and to betray the gods, and ultimately he wants to destroy the gods. So we do not honor Loki at our bloats, and that is one way that if someone came to our bloat and did honor Loki, they would be asked to leave. Uh, Lauren, what are your thoughts on Loki? Um, well... 
the thing about Loki <laughs> is that, like you said, he's he's the enemy of the gods. So it's, it's similar to, um, I guess, if you had a really good friend and that friend had a had a mutual friend of yours that did something very bad to the other friend and betrayed them in a very deep, meaningful way, um, you wouldn't look kindly at that friend anymore either, and you would probably shy away from being that friend as well anymore. So um, when you come to bloat, you're making a sacred place for the gods. So um, to invoke someone like Loki, although he used to be a friend of the gods um, and a blood brother of Odin, he's no longer there anymore. So it's an, inap- it's an inappropriate place. It's like if you invited your friend over and then invited their enemy over too. Um, so, so yeah, I guess that's how, how I feel about it. You wouldn't want to invoke Loki or, um, bring him into a sacred space because he's, um, betrayed the gods in a very deep way. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to giants, which is sort of related. Um, the giants are the enemy of the gods and they always have been um again going deeply into the giants could be its own podcast so i won't do that here (laughs) i'll i'll leave it at the giants seem to me to be stagnant forces things that don't want the world to change i mean we realize the world is in constant flux there's a balance between chaos and order the giants i believe just don't want anything to change. They don't want us to move forward, and more importantly, they don't like the gods. And I think because the gods represent progress, they represent moving forward, they represent bettering themselves, where the giants don't represent that. Um, The gods represent rationality and intelligence, in a large part, I believe, a connection with nature. And the giants represent none of that stuff. I mean, they live in the cold realm of Jotunheim, they want everything to freeze and stop moving. So, um, again, without getting too deep into who the giants are, the giants are the enemies of the gods. The gods and the giants are at war and have been for, well, since the beginning of time, really. Uh, the giants always try to kill the gods. Uh, the gods kill the giants. The giants don't really particularly care for people either. Uh, Thor is one of the bigger, biggest protector of people because he kills the giants. So the giants are the sworn enemy of the gods, so on one hand we realize intellectually and personally that there is a balance between the giants and the gods. Um, there's a, there is going to always be a fight between the giants and the gods, and we can even say that that um, conflict is useful and necessary. However... Again, we are on the side of the gods. So it is inappropriate for us to honor the giants at bloat. Just like with Loki, it's inappropriate for us to worship the giants. Um, it's it's not okay to hail giants. It's not okay to even work with giants. And it's the same thing. If someone hailed a giant at our bloat, we would, we would ask them to leave. Because the giants, again, are the enemies of the god. The sworn enemies of the gods. Uh, So we do not worship giants. Um, I also don't care for what they stand for, even though I understand it's necessary in some senses. It's still not what I stand for. It's not what I want, so we do not honor giants. Lauren, thoughts on giants? 
Yeah, um, well, I think you said it pretty well. Um, I, I Just with Loki, I didn't say it, but it's important to understand um, the giants. It's important to even study them a little because um, in our own lives we have stagnant forces and we have things that oppose our movement forward. And um, so it's important to understand the giants, but again, it's inappropriate to worship them or to... Um, uh, I guess to hold them with any reverence that you would hold the gods with more than just a natural element that we need to know about and to um, defend ourselves against. Right. And I guess I'll also go back to something you said about Loki, which is also true for the giants. We are inviting the gods to stand with us at something like bloat. Just like you don't in- invite Loki because he's the enemy of who you're inviting. You don't invite the giants because they're the enemy. You know, if if you had your best friend over, you wouldn't also invite their worst enemy. That just wouldn't be polite. Okay, so let's move on to foreign gods. What I mean by that is the Greek gods, the Egyptian gods, the Shinto gods, um, the Hebrew gods, um, which may even involve Yahweh, uh, any other gods, any other pantheon of gods is what I'm talking about here. And it is not appropriate to, to um, invoke them at our bloats either. Now, they are very different from, the, from Loki and the giants. I believe that there are multiple pantheons that actually exist. You know, if it's the African pantheon or if it's the Greek pantheon or the Japanese pantheon, the gods in those pantheons really do exist. There really isn't a Nazi. There really is a Zeus and everything else. And this is going to lead into the next question, but those pantheons, though they exist, are not the ones that we are honoring. They're the ancestral gods of another people. They're just as important. They're just as real as our gods, but they are concerned with a different people than our gods. Our gods are concerned with us. And it's definitely obvious that they're all different pantheons. You don't want you don't want to mix your pantheons. I mean all of the Norse gods, for example, they live together, so to speak. Uh, they have certain morals, they have certain rules, they are a certain paradigm. And if you're going to be Osetru, you need to stay within the Osetru paradigm. You can't start pulling things from everywhere else because, on one hand, it won't be as powerful because there's going to be some problems with the paradigms getting along together. On the other hand, I think, or in addition to that, I think it's actually very disrespectful because... (laughs) you should have just your paradigm of gods. These are the gods... You have to say, these gods are important enough to me that I'm going to exclusively honor them. So it would also be inappropriate to call foreign gods at a bloat. Uh, Now, we will get into this a little bit more in the next topic, which is folkish, but before we get there, Lauren, do you have some other things to say? Uh, No, I think that's good. Okay, and I suppose it kind of goes back to the friend thing again. I'm sure we all have multiple groups of friends, and you know that that your f- groups of friends don't necessarily get along, and, and you wouldn't want to invite over, like, all of your family, and then 
all of your like crazy out there drinking buddies to the same place. Just doesn't make sense. But let's get into folkish and what it means to be folkish. I'm actually going to let you start on this one, Lauren. Okay. Um, so folkish to me is just the belief that um, when each different, um, I guess, type of human being split off into what they would end up being now, um, there are pantheons of gods that influence them at the very beginning. For us, um, we know from our lore that Odin gave us language. So in a large way, he he definitely influenced our people to be the successful people that we are um, now. Obviously, if we didn't have language, we'd be a much different place intellectually. So, um, <clears throat> so folkish to me is just the belief that your gods are connected to you um, through your genetics, that they began your people, um, and then that's been passed along, um, not just because you want to worship those gods because you think they're cool, but because you're connected to those gods um, genetically and, um, I guess, metaphysically. They chose us. I'm not sure why, but they chose our people, and um, and that's what makes the most sense. Um, Byron has a really good example about your family that I'll let him give, um, but I think it makes the most sense to worship these gods because they're my family um and i think that's why i have the connection because just like byron said in christianity i had zero connection with that god um because it was so foreign to me and that makes perfect sense since that god comes from the middle east and i'm not at all middle eastern so um so yeah focus to me is your family it's the gods are my family and they started me from the beginning and that's why they speak to me. So that's folkish in a nutshell. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. And I guess I'll start with a family example. Uh, basically what it is is, and again, every different group of people have a different pantheon of gods. And one pantheon is, I stress this, one pantheon is not better than the other pantheon. They're simply more concerned with you. For example, I have a family. I have, let's stick with my parents. I have my parents, my mom and my dad. Um, my friend also has parents. He has a mom and a dad. Now, you see mom and dad can both be considered archetypes, and there's a lot of things similar with that. Um, I'm not going to go into that too much right now. But if if I want advice on something... I may go to my dad and say, hey, dad, I need advice on this. Here's what's going on. And he'll give me advice. Now, if I go over to my friend's house and I knock on the door and the dad comes down, it's like, hey, my friend's dad, I need advice on this. His advice, if he gives it at all, which I don't think he'd be obligated to do and he may not, wouldn't be as good. I think an even better example is what if I'm having trouble, you know, I, my car's broken or something, and I go to my dad, my dad, and I say, dad, I'm in a tough time i need to borrow a thousand dollars to fix my car my dad would let me do that because that's what family does they look out for each other and we can see that however if i went to my friend's dad who has never met me before and i said hey my friend's dad i need a thousand dollars to borrow a thousand dollars to fix my car it's unlikely let me borrow the money because we're not connected 
We're not connected in the same way that I'm connected to my own father. And that doesn't mean my friend's dad's a bad guy. It doesn't mean my dad's better. It means I have a connection with my dad. And it's the same thing with the gods. I think that the gods ultimately created us and that we have a genetic connection to them through the folk soul. And they are the gods that started our people on the path that we're on today. And I think that that they are intricately related and connected in our souls. And I think that, and this is going to be a topic of a much later podcast, but there's a lot of questions about where does the soul come from and and if it's through language or something else, and, and I think language is an integral part of it. But I think that the gods actually did the things that gave us a soul. So, in a manner of speaking, the gods did create our souls, it's a manner of speaking, and the other pantheons, their gods created their souls. So, they really are our parents. They gave us the life that we have today, so we should treat them as our parents. Uh, so that's why I follow the Norse gods, and you know, a, a Greek person might follow the Greek pantheon of gods, and so on and so forth. It's a thing about family, because the biggest point of religion, and I don't think a lot of people look at it this way, but I think it's true. One of the major things about religion, the main purpose of religion, is to connect you with your family and to connect you with your ancestors. And I think in also true, our number one tenet is to connect ourselves with our family and with our ancestors. And these gods are our ancestral gods. They're our family. They are part of our family. So that's kind of folkish in a nutshell for me. It's all about going back to your family, and these gods are your family. And I mentioned this folk soul, which is just, I suppose, a good way of putting it is that's the part of us that's connected with our gods. Of course, sometimes you get interesting questions, like what if someone is from two different backgrounds? Uh, if their, let's say their mother was Jewish and their father was German, then would that person go with something, some sort of Hebrew pantheon, or would they or, you know, something like Judaism or Christianity, or would they be more appropriate to go with Ostro? And what that comes down to for me is there is part of us, kind of like the mitochondrial DNA. It happens to be passed by your mother. You'll notice mitochondrial DNA is not actually a combination of your mother and your father. It comes just from your mother. It's something that comes from the family line passed on from time immemorial, exactly the same from generation to generation. Um, I think the folk soul is much the same way. There is part of our spirit which ties us in a semi-physical, semi-metaphysical way, but there's part of our spirit that ties us to our ancestral gods, which is passed on from ancestor to de- ancestor to descendant. And if if you have two ancestries, you will have one folk soul that ties you to one or the other pantheon. And only you as an individual can make that decision. Uh, There will, of course, be a lot of soul-searching. But I think there's a lot of people of mixed ancestry. And the only way for you to know which pantheon is most appropriate for you is to do a lot of soul-searching and to work with both pantheons. Um, I know myself, I worked a little bit with 
a lot of different pantheons. And for some reason, it was only the the Ossetru or Norse pantheon that called to me. I felt connected. I felt as if I was coming home. And that's how I knew this was the right religion. And I think everybody needs to do that. If you've got um, Japanese ancestry, you should work with Shinto and you should work with Ossetru and see... I mean, if you had Japanese and, and Swedish, let's say, you could work with Shinto and work with Ossetru. One will call to you. One will feel right. It will feel like you belong. It will feel like you're coming home. And that's how you know which folk soul you have. Uh, any other comments on folkish, honey? Uh, no. Lauren? <laughs> Married probably shouldn't, shouldn't call her honey in the podcast, though. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> All, all three of you. <laughs> no, go ahead. Uh, no, I just, I don't think I had anything to add there. I think that, um, I think that you covered it just fine. Okay. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and continue. The next thing that we discuss with people is a is an interesting one. We are not part of a national organization, um, the AFA, the Austro Folk Assembly, the AA, the Austro Alliance, the OR, the Odenic Rite are all examples of organizations which um, I do respect. But they're all parts of organizations where you get together with these other people and, you know, you join them like a church, you know, like the Catholic Church or the Protestant Church. You join them and become part of their organization. We are not part of any such organization. The reason is not that we hate the organizations, and it's not that we hate the idea of organization or even disagree with that. I think an organization can be good. I think an organization can, in a lot of ways, legitimize you. You know, you're like, I'm not just some crazy guy. I'm part of this organization, and look at what they stand for. There's lots of us. They can help you network. You know, if someone in Indiana wanted to join a kindred and they just Googled Ossetru, they're not going to come up with the Hugenhoff webpage. But they might come up with the AFA webpage, and then they could, if I was part of the AFA, they could network to me through the AFA. So there's a lot of good things for organizations. The reason we are not part of an organization is... I haven't found one that I agree with on everything. And if they were trivial matters, if they thought we should wear green wristbands, and I like the idea of blue wristbands, or I didn't like their their symbol, I thought it should have blue in it instead of green, that would be one thing. But we disagree on some fundamental moral levels um, I don't think we're really going to get into that right now where we disagree, but there are some basic things where we have major disagreements, and that's the only part, reason we're not part of an organization. But the organizations I mentioned, I though I disagree with them on very important moral stances, I do still have respect for them. Would you like to add anything? Yeah, um... I think you said that nicely, but um, but yeah, people in general, you we try to build communities, and we like to build communities, and obviously it makes us better people to bounce ideas and things off of other people, um, 
but the most popular um, national organizations that are out there right now, like you said, we differ opinions on um, some pretty big deals, which could be an entire podcast in its own, I'm sure. Um, and um, not to say anything bad about those organizations, they've done great things to um, outreach and bring Ossetran to communities that didn't exist at all before. But um, a very important thing emphasized in Ossetru is to be honest in your word and to um, to join those organizations when we don't agree with all of their ideals would be a violation of that very moral. So, um, so yeah, they're not necessarily, they're not bad people by any means or anything like that. It's just we don't completely agree with them, so we're not a part of them. That's all I got to say. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's move on, and I'll start with you. This is a really interesting one. And another thing in Ossetru is there's a lot of freedom. I think freedom is very stressed. I mean, a, a lot of even the American law today is based off Anglo-Saxon common law. And obviously those people would originally anyway be Ossetru. Which is a good thing. It lets us make up our own minds about things. It also leads to lots of different opinions. This particular this particular question could be a podcast in in and of itself. So we won't go into great detail, but we will touch the surface of it. So, uh, Lauren, what are gods to you? Um, like in a general, like what's deity sort of a question, or like yes, okay. So, um. Oh, geez. <laughs> That's a can of worms. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I believe that, I guess, the universe is made up of many different parts. Um, and there's obviously a, well, not obvious, but um, in my belief, there's the spiritual world, um, one that's unlike ours in certain ways. Um, and in that plane, the beings that exist are the gods um in our mythology we have a whole um you know explanation of our tree of different parts of the universe um so i guess really just very basically the the gods are beings that exist in this other universe that's um different than ours in ways but um Clearly, there are similarities since they were interested in us and um, they're able to teach us things. But, yeah, I guess very simply, they're just beings in another universe um, on a different plane of existence than us. And, like you said earlier, our gods aren't superior to us. Um, They simply, they live in another plane. They know things more than us, I would say, and differently than us. So in that way, we show respect to them because they built who we are. Um, but in very many ways, they're just like us. And that's, I guess, how we're able to learn from them. Because if they were very foreign, then it would be hard to gain anything from them. So, Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's a good way to put it. Um, and yeah, I, I said that I don't think the gods are quote-unquote better than us. And I think this is true for all pantheons. Um, 
the spiritual realm and the physical realm are very connected and in many ways very much the same. I do believe, and I think you'd agree with me, that the gods are wiser than us. They have been around a lot longer than we have. Um, so in a lot of ways, they're going to be stronger, and they're definitely going to be wiser in a lot of ways. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like an, um, you know, an older, you know, wise woman or wise man. You wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily kiss their feet because they're somehow greater and better than you, but you would certainly respect the knowledge that they want to share with you um, because they can help you in ways since they've been around longer. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to my parent analogy. You you don't think your dad's superior to you. You don't worship him. You don't do what he says without thinking. However, um, anyway, after your past your teenage years, you realize that <laughs> your dad has been around longer than you, and in most cases, he's going to have some experiences you don't have, and he's going to have good advice because he has those experiences. So um, my conception of a god, I suppose, is a con- uh, conscious linguistic set. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> it's, I actually have a rather complicated, convoluted theory. The simplest way to put it, which keeps it mostly true to what I believe in, is I do think that there is a spiritual plane, a spiritual realm, um, a world that we did not create, a world that exists independently of us, um, and and but it it also influences our world almost like a world of ideas, but the ideas are more real than the reality that we live in. So I'm not going to get any deeper into that on this podcast. Um, maybe in a future episode I will. But basically, there is a spiritual plane, and the gods exist there. And we can commune with them through through ritual, through language, through meditation, all of those things, we can commune with them. So, so I believe the gods exist independently of us. I think they have their own consciousness. I think they make decisions and actually do things. They do exist as individuals, um, and we can commune with them, just like we exist as individuals. So that's what I believe, and of course Lauren and I are pretty much on the same page with that. I'm going to throw out some other things that I don't believe, but other people do. Some people say they're, they're just stories. You know, there's lore, and our ancestors wrote it down for whatever reason. It would teach us stuff and, and things like that. It could still be worthwhile to be also true because these stories make your life better. They teach you how to do things, and you're still honoring your ancestors because you think that they made these stories, so these stories are are worth remembering. Um, it would be a different type of also true. I've heard it called goutless. You don't exactly believe the gods are real, but you believe the stories of the gods are important. It's one way people see it. Not quite what we do, but it is another way to look at things. Um, it's almost an atheist view of Ossetro. Again, that's that's not what we do at our kindred, but that is something some people believe. Some people believe they're archetypes. Um, they're these these models of this god, or these models of, of something or the other. Um, 
it, it, that's kind of similar to the fact that they're just stories. Um, you might involve the collective unconscious. Uh, and, and that can even get into the theory where, which is the next theory, where we create gods. We thought these gods existed, so we started worshipping them. So our belief in them made them real. If we stop believing in them, they don't exist anymore. They're dependent on us. Again, I don't believe that, but that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is they are ancestors raised to godhood. You know, back in the day, there was a great king, and his name was Frey or something, and he died eventually, but he was so great, we remembered him so well, that when he went to the afterlife, because he was such a good person, and because all of his people respected him so much, he became a god. That's a way to look at it. Again, I don't believe that. I believe gods are a very separate separate type of beings than us. Kind of like if you if you if you have a well I don't want to say anything insulting, but like if you have if you have your family dog, you can't send him off to Harvard and expect him to come out a person. They're just different. They're yeah. completely different makeup. That's how I see it. I think the ancestors raised to godhood is a good one in the sense that it's a way to understand where gods came from. It's not completely false because it emphasizes these are truly our ancestors. And I know a lot of people who believe it. And and I think it's it's in many ways a good belief to have. I just don't share it because I think the gods are fundamentally different than people are. But those are just some other ways other people look at the gods. Again... I look at the gods as actual entities who have existed um, since shortly after the world was created who or came into existence when the world came into existence. And I believe they're another race. You know, they're the race of gods as opposed to a race of people. They are still our ancestors, though. They still did give birth to our people, but they're different than us in some ways, too. Um, the most important thing for me, though, is to know that the gods exist. They have their own will. They're, they're not just something made up, but, but they actually exist somewhere with a consciousness. And, and I do really believe they're separate from people in the sense that even if we don't believe them, they will still exist. Um, anything else for well, that I question? Well, I think that um, people choose that ideal because it's sort of... Uh, um, it answers that question, the one that I'm still not really sure about myself, which is why did that race of gods pick our race of humans? Um, why did they inspire us? Why did they think that we were important to them? Um, because in a lot of ways, they are our ancestors, but they were our ancestors by choice. They they chose us. Um, so there's that ever-looming question of why did they choose us? Why why was it us instead of some other race of people? Why were we connected? Why are we connected? Um, and I think that if you if you br- bring it from the earth and take it to the spiritual plane, then you have that answer. You have the answer. Of, True. Um, we were humans first, and then we raised some of our humans to godhood. But then you have the complicated question of where did our language come from and where do our souls come from? So it, it still leaves a lot of a lot of questions but it answers some of them so I see why people would go to that but 
Um, but yeah, it's just I don't agree with that. I think, like we said earlier, the the gods are their own um, individuals that exist just somewhere else. They still exist. They, like you said, have their own will and have their own consciousness, and then um, we exist beside them. And they didn't come from us, and um, we didn't really necessarily come from them. It's that we existed and they influenced us. So. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the importance of lore. Um, in the Hofbrock Kindred, I'm the lore warden, so I guess I'm a little biased to this one, but, but I <coughs> always have been. Something I think is very dangerous is, on one hand, personal gnosis is of the utmost importance. The way the reason you believe in a god is because the god has come to you and and actually spoke with you. However, if Odin comes down and speaks to you and he talks about how learning stuff is dumb and you should you should be intolerant of other people and you shouldn't learn things and you shouldn't read books cuz books are stupid, that would that would mean, in my opinion, Odin didn't come to you. Someone claiming to be Odin maybe came to you, or maybe it was all in your head. Now, I think in time you can tell the difference. I, I know, and not even in time, almost immediately, you can tell the difference between a god and something you just made up, if you're honest with yourself. Okay. But that's not going to happen. If Odin comes to you, he will say things that are in line with the lore on Odin. He will say that knowledge is important, reading is important, language is extremely important, and um, wisdom in general is important. I think lore is very important because that's the basis that we have. That's the intellectual start that we need. We need to have that start to begin a conversation with our gods. Once we have a basic conception of who the gods are and what they do, we can call them appropriately. Knowing nothing of the lore means that we couldn't properly call Odin. He wouldn't know you were talking to him because you wouldn't use the right invocations. You wouldn't, use the, you wouldn't say the right things to get him to pay attention and come down here. So I think lore needs to be our starting point. Everyone who wants to be Ostru needs to le read the lore, at least the Eddas and the Poetic Eddas. They need to read that lore. They need to have a basic understanding of the gods and then develop that relationship more. But it needs to be based in lore. Thoughts? Um, yeah, well, it's a it's a dangerous um, line to dance on because I I believe in the importance of the lore as well because it's a collective um, of all of the different thoughts that people have, um, you know, all the ways that people have been inspired by the gods and provoked to write it down and um, or not even write it down to speak it to someone else and um, share it with someone else. So, in a way, it's a really good tool for us to have to, um, to like you said, to fact check, to say, you know, I had this experience with Odin, and it really lines up with these books. Or, you know, I had an experience with what I thought was Odin, but it really doesn't match up with any of the other things I've ever heard of Odin. Um, it's a really good resource to have that way. Um, but on the tricky side is that I don't believe at all in sacred text. Um, I don't 
believe that we should um, pick over every word in the Eddas and um, and treat it like it's you know some sort of um, spoken word of the gods you know that they sent it down directly for us to see um, obviously it was said and passed on and then written and rewritten and translated and translated again and um, there are lots of ways that they have been manipulated um, through the ages and the way that they have been changed and misinterpreted so um, they're a really good tool a really good way to fact check and a really good way to think um, to begin thinking about the gods but in the same way it's not a dogma. It's not a. Um, it's not a necessary rule book. It's um, just a good tool to have. Uh, that's true. I mean, we will remember that these texts um, were put. In, they were originally spoken words, and then put together in the Codes Regius and other sources. And then those sources were eventually collected. Um, Snorri Sturluson was one who had a lot to do with the collection, and um, also. Samen from Samen's Eddas had a lot to do with the collection. But we know that Samen and Snorri were were both Christians. Samen was actually a monk. Now, generally speaking, we're lucky that the monks would just copy text verbatim. That's usually what they did. But we have to rem- and and we would we we might think that the gods would keep them from completely messing things up in some subtle way. Nonetheless, we have to remember that they were Christians. They may have their own agenda. They may want this to look... They may want it to be more like Christianity, so people could understand it better and, and, and they could understand it better. Um, and they might want to demo, demify it so it looks worse. I mean, all of these things are pos- possible. Uh, the Germania is another really good one to read, which is written by Tacitus. And we sort of see this happen as well. Um, oh, what am I saying? We sort of see this happen with when Tacitus writes, he, for example, compares Odin to Hermes. Um, archetypically, it's, it's actually a good comparison. It's a, it's a very appropriate comparison. But he calls... Odin Hermes, and obviously Odin is not Hermes, so we see that he had a bias, just like the Christian monks also had a bias. So we need to keep all of that stuff in mind when we're reading these, that the authors may have had biases. We can read multiple authors, that's a good way to deal with it. But we have to remember, uh, like Lauren said, this is not dogma. Just like the Bible, it was written by, it was put together and edited at the Nicaea Council by Constantine, which is why a lot of people in Christianity move to the Gnostic thing, because they're like, look, we know that someone had a political agenda when they put this together. And But then again, some people say the Bible is literally the word of God. And I think, though it's a small group, some people in Austria say the Eddas is the word of God, and the gods came down and took control of the author's hand and made them write the same thing. They were divinely inspired. And we don't want to fall into that because it's it's a dangerous place to fall into when you fall into dogma. It's about a living connection with the gods. So yeah, that's a very good um, thing to say. Now, it looks like we are running a little low on time, so there's a few other things that I wanted to to mention, we're not going to go in depth, but they're actually smaller things. 
if you are in the point where you want to join the Kindred, um, not the Kindred, but a Kindred, our listeners may be from far away, when you go to have an interview with a Kindred you may be interested in joining, what do you expect from a Kindred? Make sure you know what you're getting into. I mean, do you expect to have a connection with deity? I mean, I, I would hope so. Do you expect to discuss the lore after every bloat? Not all kindreds are the same. Some kindreds, you'll have your bloat, and then the rest of the time they focus on the community. They focus on being friendly and talking about things and everything else. But if you're the intellectual type who wants to actually discuss the lore in depth, is that something your kindred's offering you? Is that something they're advertising? Um, and I did actually want to mention this one because it's important. I always tell people we're not a standard kindred in the sense that we have a lot of beliefs that are different from what other people believe. In the same sense, this podcast isn't a standard podcast. Steve McNallan does an Austrue podcast that comes out um, periodically. I don't think he's on a set schedule. and I think you can find that from the AFA's webpage, which you can just Google AFA, or Austrue Folk Assembly. Google that. That might be something that more people believed in. We're very individualistic, especially at Hugenhof, and Austrue in general as well. But we don't represent the Ossetru community here. We represent ourselves. We represent what we believe. So keep in mind also, if you go to one kindred, especially if they're not part of an organization like we're not, they may be very unique views. And maybe those are the same unique views you have, which would be great because then you know you're in the right place. But also, there's there's not a standard Ossetru version of things. It's not like the Catholic Church, where every Catholic Church believes the same things and and does the same things and reads from the same book. We don't have that in Austro, because especially for me, it's very much about a personal connection to the gods. So I did want to say that. Just because I say something on this podcast, or any of my guests, does not mean that reflects what the rest of the Austro community um, believes in. Right. Um, we focus on thought and discussion at our kindred, and I think that's good because it's just important to to discuss things. The name comes from their Hugenhof, home of thought. Um, I think in any religion, it's always imperative that you question yourself. You ask, "We believe, I believe this, and why do I believe this? And discuss it with the other people. Um, I guess I'll mention that we do monthly bloats. A lot of kindreds do monthly bloats, and I think a monthly bloat is a good idea. And just some other things, of course, attending a bloat is not joining the kindred. That's really not important for this podcast. Um, and, And something that I do always like doing, and especially this is important if you're starting your own kindred somewhere, when you interview people, I think it's a good idea to you know go through all of this, have this discussion, and then say, okay, think about this. Give it a week. Give it a week to germinate in your brain. See what you think, and then email me. Because one thing that you never want to do is coerce people into joining your religion, because maybe it's not for them. Maybe they don't want to join. Maybe... Maybe they feel pressured. And people like that who feel like they've been forced into something are not going to be happy. They're not going to be open enough to understand and receive the wisdom of the gods. 
it's not okay to force people to believe in the same thing that you believe in. And I don't think it's your job, and I don't think that God's want us to go convert everybody. I think that they want us to inform people. And if those people choose to join your kindred or any kindred, that's their decision. But it has to be a personal decision, because religion is very personal. And you always need to make it a personal decision that you come to those conclusions on your own, uncoerced by other people. Well, um... That takes care of it for our topic, so I'll take some, take a moment for some final thoughts. Lauren, do you have anything you'd like to mention before we wrap up for today? Um, no, I guess I, well, yeah, I guess just your final thought, like you said there, um, you got to shop around like anything else. You've got to find your right fit and the types of people that you feel comfortable with and um, the structure of a kindred that you were looking for, so... Um, like anything else, it's probably not a one-stop shop. You probably need to talk to many different people and go to many different places um, to find out what's exactly right for you. Okay. Um, this is a little off-topic, but I mentioned Hofbrau Kindred earlier in the podcast. I would just like to hail Hofbrau Kindred mention that we really appreciate all the support that we got from them and we couldn't do any of this, the podcast, the website, or the Kindred, without the help and encouragement of Hofbrau Kindred. So thank you to Hofbrau Kindred, to John and Sharon, Chris, Nick, and Selena, our kinsmen. Um, we really appreciate everything Hofbrau Kindred has given us. Uh, that said, if you had any questions, please email me at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. Uh, feel free to check out our website at www.hugenhoff.org. And um, there can be comments, thoughts, even ideas for future podcasts. We're always curious in what our listeners want to hear about. So feel free to send us email, send us email that way. And yeah, thank you for listening. Hail the Azir and the Vanir. Hail Ossetro. Frahail. Frahail. <laughs>